Here's what to expect today. And what really we're looking for is what's the authority platform that's actually something that you can deep dive into and use it as a primary client magnet, an opportunity magnet, because you're going to get it out there, you're going to nurture it, and you're going to recycle it and uh, repurpose it so many times that it becomes massive payoff. That's where the profitability comes from. The adventure of entrepreneurship and building a life and business you love, preferably at the same time, is not for the faint of heart. That's why Heather Pierce Campbell is bringing you a dose of guts, grit, and great business stories that will inspire and motivate you to create what you want in your business and life. Welcome to the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast, where endurance is required. Now here's your host, the legal website warrior, Heather Pierce Campbell. Hello there. I'm Heather Pierce Campbell, the legal website warrior. I am an attorney and legal coach based here in Seattle, Washington. Welcome to another episode of Guts, Grit, and Great Business. I am so excited to have our guest, Melanie Benson, with us today. Melanie, I first of all, I'm excited to connect with you. So by way of background, Mel- I just joined a mastermind that Melanie's a part of, which is how I first became familiar with her work. And I don't know if Melanie knows this. I have been totally listening to her podcast. (laughs) So I know when you signed up to join mine, I was so excited. So let's quickly introduce Melanie. She's got a great background. Melanie is the profit amplifier. She guides expertpreneurs on how to stand out in a crowded market and exponentially increase revenues by leveraging their unique profit amplifier. She's a revenue strategist, a business performance optimizer, is a guide for conscious entrepreneurs ready to accelerate their impact and income by making their business perform 10 times better. With over 12 years experience in corporate America, Melanie specializes in aligning visionary, game-changing entrepreneurs who are emerging as leaders with the most powerful mindset, actions, and strategies that propel them to a level of success they never knew they could achieve. She combines her extensive traditional education. She holds a bachelor's degree in business management and a master's degree in organizational management with multiple advanced certifications in project management, results coaching, neuro-linguistic programming, and even a license as a spiritual counselor to get her clients past their obstacles and into impacting the world in a fulfilling and profitable way. She is also the host, as I mentioned, of Amplify Your Success podcast, is author of Rewired for Wealth, co-author of the best-selling Voices of the 21st Century and Entrepreneur.com's Startup Guide to Starting an Information Marketing Business. And she has been featured in Bloomberg Business Week, Women's Day, and Parenting. She can be found online at MelanieBenson.com. Like I mentioned, I've been listening to Melanie's podcast. First of all, I want to ask you, Melanie, is there anything you don't do? <laughs> is there any certification you don't have? <laughs> I was listening going like, wow, the only thing I don't do is dental surgery. Like, <laughs> I mean, should we add it to the list? I know. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Like I am kind of a secret gourmet paleo chef too. So, you know, there's... <laughs> well, I love like, that. I, I and these I, little quirky things. <laughs> no, it's so fun. And I love, like you had this on your website. Melanie lives in Los Angeles area with her soon-to-be husband. As an avid lifestyle enthusiast, she spends her free time in search of the best spas and beaches in the world. That was fun. 
Another one of my hobbies. And by the way, we are now married, so I should probably update that on the website. <laughs> update it. That's all right. That's all right. You know? <laughs> uh, and then the other thing I loved is, and I can't remember where I saw this about you, but I love that you integrate creativity and intuition with a honed facts and data approach, which has result yeah. in comprehensive resulted in some of the most comprehensive business growth resources available to conscious entrepreneurs. I think that piece alone is so critical. Like combining, you know, skills and both halves of our brain to really create something that's meaningful. So talk to us a little bit about that piece. That is interesting to me. Yeah. So that would be the accidental superpower, right? I grew up very much a creative, went to school and really like was rewarded for that left brain logic, practical strategic, you know, I was a project manager and an event manager in in a Fortune 500 company. And then realized that that part was, that part of me that was created was feeling very dormant. And I think as an entrepreneur, if we are only building the muscle in one side of that hemisphere, like that muscle only gets uh, developed, then you're missing out on the other part. Like I know the highly creative people, they struggle because they can't organize their a plan of action very well. And then the and then the strategic, highly logical people kind of miss that creative out-of-the-box thinking. And I guess that's probably what my clients love the most is and I and I had a friend of mine, I've known him for years. He's seen me speak in the past and we kind of started running into each other everywhere. And and uh I interviewed him on my uh, podcast not too long ago. And he said something to me that really took me back. He said, Melanie, he goes, you know, I live in the creative and you are so profoundly gifted at blending that creativity with strategic possibility. Mm. I was like, thank you. That, that, is, that is what I am. So I find it to be an emergence and evolution of many, many years of studying what works and how to make something perform better with not getting stuck in one dimensional thinking, not just saying this is the only way it can look because we've got to stay plugged into both. Totally. I love that. I was recently talking with somebody about even the, you back up to the ways that people start their business. And I feel like a lot of people start in the analytical side, analyzing the marketplace and saying, what's the problem? What's the need? How can I go do that and make a business out of it? Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas the other side might be more inclined, like if you're in the other side of your brain or a different part of that conversation, might be more inclined to say, what am I really here to create? It's that creative energy. What, what are the ways that I'm able to show up and serve in the world rather than just being you know, in the analytical side of the brain of what are the needs and how do I meet those? You know, and I think my comfort zone is finding one thing that works. You know, I'm very much a simplified to multiply person. But I also recognized in my own journey along the way, because I've been in this business for 20 years now. And so my first 10 years were, how do I I get to a million? You know, like really creating something that could financially be witnessed as successful in the eyes of most, most people on the planet. And then I realized I had followed the logical path to get there. I did what I should do. And and about 10 years in, I started to look at like, is this what I want to do? Is this lighting me up? Is this giving me joy and feeding that that fire inside me to, to get up and keep climbing the mountain every day? And and you know, I I did do some restructuring and 
for lack of a better word, pivoting, which is so mm-hmm. overused right now, but right. <laughs> a better word too. Somebody was saying pirouetting. So I don't know if I embrace pirouetting, but, but really like finding a way to integrate all the parts of me and not just do what we should do, but do what is sustainable because it lights my fire every single day. Mm, I love that. I mean, even the word integration, because this conversation around, you know, do we make a choice based on marketplace, based on market conditions? Do we make a choice based on, you know, our intuitive sense of who we are as people? So my friend, Yifat Cohen, who hosts a show weekly, actually, she has two shows, but she was talking with JP Sears and she had a number of us on in a Zoom room with him chatting. And he was having this conversation around how he approaches his work really purely from the standpoint of what do I want to create, right? What, and this, like your language of, is it feeding the fire inside of me? I think it's really easy to get disconnected from that a bit when we get bogged down in doing the work and like handling all the things on the list, doing all the shoulds. Talk to us a little bit about that. How do you go towards integration of the parts or integration even of the approach? Well, I like the word integration because it really embraces what I what I believe for. It's not either or or. Yes. It's and. Yes. So how does it grow and impact more lives? And how can I get more strategic and really think through how this can, you know, like I have a thing where it's like I like to I call it unique profit amplifier where you start with something that you know will sell well because it's so, it solves such a big problem and it lights you up. And then how do we hook that together with other things that make it easy for people to progress through all the different offerings you have? Well, that's the integration of all those parts of me, the spiritual, the creative, the the person who wants to be, you know, have that fire lit from the inside out. It's not an either and or. It's not strategic or creative or spiritual or aligned. It's all of it. And I think that's, you know, if you're in this place as you're listening in where you're like, I want to get there, but I'm not, you know, sometimes we have to do the strategic until we can do the aligned. Right. And, and I wish I had known that better when I started, I was very slow out of the starting gate, Heather. (laughs) I was one of those people where I did everything wrong for the first 18 months. And I was trying to do the part that felt good but I was missing the strategic piece. And so nothing was working. Mm. And it's probably how I got to the, to the realization that a lot of my clients are in this stuck spot where they're trying to do what feels good, but it doesn't feel good to not make money. And they're not making money yet. They're not making enough money. They're not making enough money to make all this effort make sense. And so we have to find what's missing. And it's this story that we've built up around doing certain things to grow our business or they're doing, they're following the the cookie cutter of someone and just trying to plug into it and haven't really found that, that way to do it in an aligned method that, that is sustainable for them. Mm -hmm. I like to think of it like this, like maybe you do this too, where I like to find the thing that feels like it's autopilot. So it's not that there's no work. It's just, it's so much a routine. It's so much of a natural part of who I am that it's easy. Like I just do it automatically. And then my marketing and my visibility and everything feels so much easier. And that's why I have a podcast. It's not because I have to, it's a great authority platform. I do it because I could do it in my sleep. And 
if I could get paid every day just a podcast, I probably would, you know, because I love it. I, I love the conversation I get to have with the most amazing, unique, and powerful beings on this planet. Mm-hmm. So that to me is the ultimate integration of all of those pieces. I love that. I'm with you. Going to either side of that conversation feels out of balance. Like even Mm -hmm. when we were having that conversation with JP, I thought, gosh, that's fascinating to think of showing up and approaching your work each day strictly from the standpoint of what do I want to create? Because there's a part of me that really believes like we never get to escape business fundamentals. Yeah. Right. It's, it's part of the picture. And so that's why I love that you've got, you know, chops to blend both strategy and the intuitive side and really getting people to tune into how to connect those things. So let's talk, let's shift over to your podcasting work. Talk to me a little bit about how you started in the podcasting world and what that story looked like. Uh, so being in business as long as I have, I have had the the background where I was doing like CD clubs back when that was the cool thing to do, right? Like literally, like we would record an interview, drop it on a CD and throw it in the mail. Like I am that old. (laughs) And at a certain point I started looking at, wow, like this is so much work. There's gotta be a better way. So that's my optimizing brain. Like, and I start, I have some friends that were early adopters, like uh, Jody Colvert, who literally, as soon as podcasting was a thing, before there was RSS feeds and you could just sync it all up, she was like hand programming, you know, into these podcasting platforms. And I thought, wow, I think that's gonna be a thing. And so, I mean, the podcast I have now is not the one I started with. I started with a different one. And I just loved it. I loved the reach. I quickly realized how evergreen they were. But beyond having my own podcast, I realized that one of the other things that was possible was this growth in podcasting was actually creating a need for content. I believe it's about 60% of business podcasts are interview style. Mm-hmm. So that means there's an embedded problem, right? So the growth of one uh, market creates a problem, and that is they need content. And I also am a massive fan of virtual because I was on the road speaking a lot for many years, and I was getting burned out of that road warrior lifestyle, and I was looking for a way, how can I continue to experience the magic of, of connecting with people through speaking, but not be trapped in a road model where I had to be out there and thank God, right? Like right now in our world, like we're all having to to adapt to the virtual uh, piece. And so podcasting was a really natural solution because I could get on a podcast, share my message and do what I call build the golden thread. So I could create like intrigue and interest through a title and catchy Mm -hmm. slogans and, you know, like build up that momentum and that energy with the listener and get them to the point where they were intrigued enough that they were invested in wanting more. And that became kind of my thing. And all of a sudden, you know, when you plug into something that you are fired up about and you do it well, it gains its own natural buzz and momentum in your industry. And it's very easy to rise above the noise and and get attention. And so I found that every time I kind of leaned into that podcasting, whether it was about teaching people to leverage podcasts to build their authority or which is what I'm doing most now is teaching people how to create the right message 
on a podcast. So they're turning it into a a 24 seven client attraction machine. That is magic. That is contagious. That is, that is how we continue to stand out and move ourselves out of the noise and up to a place where people can see and hear your message and not be confused. How is this person the same as everyone else? That piece around differentiation is huge. And I think especially in the online world, I mean, just in the just in the business world generally, the amount of data that we are faced with every day, right? That That is the goal. How do we differentiate? How do we create something that's going to hook somebody or show them who we are so that they'll come back? So talk to us. Do you work with both people who are wanting a podcast or maybe they don't know they need it yet, right? They're wanting a solution. Are you talking to those folks and the people who are also podcast guests? Who's your audience? Yeah, my audience is somebody who considers themselves an expertpreneur or service mm-hmm. professional. So an expertpreneur is somebody who's building a business around their expertise. Mm-hmm. Coaches, consultants, trainers, educators, people who they have something that they know they can't keep inside, they need to share it in a bigger right. way. And so embedded in that as an expert, if you want to stand out in the crowd, you have to really learn how to change the conversation. So you're not chasing clients, but you have people coming to you. Like we really like to flip that that equation. And that means you need to lean into what we call an authority or influence platform. You need a way to be seen as the go-to credible authority rather than one of a billion people who do something similar. And, you know, for me, you know, think about 20 years ago when I started, Nobody knew what business coaching was, right? Like they're like, mm-hmm. you're you're a business what? Like, what is that? Like, aren't you too young to do that? Like, I wasn't really, but you know, like I always looked a little bit on the younger side. And then and then I found that uh, about five years into it, like everybody and their brother had coach in their title. <laughs> I started thinking, like, wow, like how does anybody know what coach means anymore? Mm-hmm. And so the reinvention for many coaches is not how do I be another coach and I'm trying to decide which business coach to hire, but it's a blue ocean strategy. Like how do we make the competition irrelevant? Because you are the answer that your unique ideal client is looking for. And I think podcasting, having your own podcast is one strategy. If you are willing to consistently, whatever that looks like, like if you're having a series or you've got a a, a daily or a weekly, whatever that is, but it's got to be consistent to your schedule nurturing of that platform. And if that's not your thing, then guesting on podcasts is a super easy way to tap into the magic that's happening in this virtual environment. And I I can geek out a little bit on the stats if you want. Like, I don't know if you've been talking about that lately, but something really profound happened in the industry this year. Uh, Let's just talk about the close of 2019. There is 550,000 roundabout podcasts listed with Apple, which seems to be one of the bigger platforms. Mm-hmm. When, oh, sorry, in, at the end of 2018, 550,000. Mm. The end of 2019, we had uh, jumped to 950,000. Uh, by April, we were at a million podcasts and growing. And that really shows that there's, and, and by the way, it's not just business podcasts. Like we've got yeah. everything from true crime. I have a friend that just launched one on 
the backstory behind Marilyn Monroe, like, you know, you, it's like you name the subject there, you know, there's things on how to have, be a better lover, just like how to be a better parent, how to like start a school, like anything you can imagine, there's a podcast for it. It's true. I have a friend who just launched a podcast. She's like a Star Trekkie, right? So it's all about Star Trek. (laughs) Yeah. Which my my stepson would love that. Yes. So I'll have to make sure he knows about it. <laughs> but but the idea of, of this is not to not it's not to do what everybody else is doing. It's to really figure out where your superpower shines. Like and I call your superpower it's that thing that you do so naturally and mm. and you realize you don't even realize how valuable it is to others because you're actually able to help people solve problems they're chronically stuck with by just doing what you do naturally. And what I find gets people a little mixed up is they're like, oh, I should have a podcast. And then they do a year of podcasting and they're like, God, this is a lot of work. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm not getting any results from it. And then they ditch it and then they jump to the next bright, shiny idea. Right. And what really we're looking for when you find the right authority platform, this is what I support my clients in in the Amplify strategies is what's the authority platform that's actually something that you can you know, deep dive into and use it as a primary client magnet, a client, an opportunity magnet, because you're going to get it out there. You're going to nurture it and you're going to recycle it and, and, and uh, repurpose it so many times that it becomes massive payoff. That's where the profitability comes from. I love that. So I've got some other questions that I want to get to, but talk to us about that piece, about that constant, yes, the repurposing and just having a client attraction magnet out there. Because Mm -hmm. I I agree, I've heard so many people that go down a road of thinking like, oh, I'm going to create this podcast or do this new thing, but it's it's not working the way that they want it to. It ends up being a greater investment of time and resources and effort to maintain than it's contributing to their bottom line, right? Yeah. Well, let me explain it by sharing uh, an experience one of my Amplify Mastermind members is having right now, because that's exactly what was up for her. Like she actually started with me in a different program that's uh, just to give everybody a taste. It's like, I start with the messaging because I think if we can get the messaging right, then we can amplify the rest, right? So I have a program called Get Magnetic Messaging. And when she joined that program, she said, can you actually, can you fix my podcast? you know, my podcast isn't getting me clients. It's not, it's like, it's a lot of money and time going out and I'm not seeing the results. And I said, well, first we actually have to fix the messaging because <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the, everything, it, it all, it's the, it's the hub. Right. And so when we were in that process, what she started to realize was, is that she didn't have a core message that was making sense to the listener. And so her expertise was holding space for the other experts. And that is exciting, and it's and it's really for many of us, especially for connectors. Like we could we could like geek out on that all day long, right? But yeah, me too. And at a certain point, we're missing the monetization because podcasting is a lot of work. Anything is a lot of work. Writing a book is a lot of work. Speaking is a lot of work. If we don't have that core, what I call that magnetic message at the hub, that mm-hmm. everything else works to to draw clients in, mm-hmm. and so. What we did was, is we pulled back what her actual messaging is, who is her ideal client. And then I went in to start to look at how do we fix her, her podcast. And so what I find is, is that if you have a podcast or another similar type of marketing could be a, 
a video show, uh, webinars that you do, whatever it is, you're missing what's called the marketing machine. So I don't want to go too far on a tangent, but let me just say that a marketing machine is how we make sure that we've got at least five to 10 points of visibility for anything we're putting out. Otherwise, what happens is it disappears into an invisibility cloak in the noise of the online market, because that's where most of us are going to get traction with the podcast. There's some offline things we can do, but most of it is online. And it's not one thing. So people are mistakenly, oh, I'm publishing it on my uh, Libsyn feed and then it's going to iTunes. Shouldn't that be enough? No. (laughs) So they asked me, like, what's your magic? Like, how are you getting all your listeners? How are you turning them into clients? Well, those are two different conversations. But you have to have five to 10 points of reoccurring visibility on everything you air. And that's, and it doesn't have to be a lot of work. You can set a lot of this up on autopilot, but you do have to have a strategic plan to do that. Absolutely. It sounds like people, obviously most of us start from doing something the ground up, right? We start down here trying to build it, trying to do it. And really we need a system to follow that says, here's how it's done really well. Here's how you minimize your effort and your, and your time and get max, maximum results. The, the visual of things disappearing into the invisibility cloak, <laughs> I think everybody knows exactly what you're talking about when you say yeah. that. Like, you know that feeling of, oh my gosh, that either felt like wasted effort or nobody <laughs> saw this thing that I did or you know just not knowing how to get it out there. So I love you know, understanding all the pieces of the framework and the system. Backtracking. Can I say one more thing about that before you go on? Totally. I I think it's also really important to remember that 90% of what our visibility efforts will go without engagement, Mm. but could be impacting that person that becomes your client. So sometimes we have to not take the number, the hard numbers so personally, because you never know who's paying attention that's not doing, I, I kid you not, I can't talk about all of it right now, but there are some opportunities that have dropped in my lap because people were watching in the background and then one thing drops in and they go, oh yeah, this is perfect. And they reach out from that. And then you're like, oh, I'm so glad I was doing this thinking nobody was paying attention, right? Well, that's true. And it's always such a surprise, like pleasant experience when you have that. I connected with a woman the other day and she turns out she's in the Seattle area. We had a video call and she's like, oh, I've been following you for, for years. I love your work. I love the stuff. you." And I was like, how have we never connected? How did I not, you know, I did not know that she was out there consuming my stuff and appreciating it or whatever, because like you mentioned, she wasn't necessarily interacting with it, but she'd been observing it. So yeah, I think that's a a really important piece to remember. The other thing I want to get your thoughts on is that, you know, part of the premise of this show is I want people, especially now in the midst of what's happening, to understand that being in a hard place is okay. It actually is what often leads to our best decisions and our greatest changes in our business or our life so that we actually get to where we need to be going. And the flip side of that, I love your visual around, 
you helping people find what it is that feels easy to them. What And what came to mind when you said that was flow, right? How do we yes. do things in our business where we basically can find a state of flow and it doesn't necessarily feel like work because we are either naturally good at it or we have an interest in it. Talk to me about the two sides of that coin, being in a hard mm. place and you know what it takes to shift from that into a state of flow or, or just how you see the relationship between those two things. I love this question. You know, I think everything is, is around mindset, right? And, and I think some of us take failure and challenges really personally. It's like, oh, I need this to be easier if I'm going to do this, right? <laughs> you know, having been in business 20 years and been in corporate 10 years before that, uh, what I can say is uh, there will never be a shortage of challenges, but how we mentally wrap our, our mind around that, those challenging moments or those challenging periods will make or break how we move through them. And what I've discovered uh, after several very painful, uh, epic failures <laughs> that I wish could disappear from the face of the earth <laughs> was that those are the moments that are the catalysts for these great awakenings and these great transformations that bring these great uh, new opportunities that you can't see when you're on the, the kind of the busy train continuing to maintain what already was. And I, I oftentimes find there's like when there's periods where like everything is going wrong simultaneously and you're like, what the heck life? Like what's happening right now? What I realize is, is that sometimes we're stubborn and we try really hard to hold on to things that we're attached to because it's our baby and we worked really hard to get it out in the world. But if we can loosen that grip and allow things that are not working well to, to just go, okay, it's all right. It's not working. I can let it go because that's going to create space for this next things to emerge. Mm. That is a, a mental leadership practice that I had to really practice and to embrace. But as I've embraced it, I move through failure quicker and recognizing that if you're not failing often, you're not actually growing enough. Like really embracing like, I want to fail because if I'm failing, it means I'm pushing against my comfort zone and willing to try new things to expand the impact I can have on this planet. So a couple years ago, I uh, put an offer out that I just knew was going to like take off like wildfire. And it was awful. Crickets. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, really? You know, it was one of those moments where we had a bunch of initial sales in a trial and then everybody dropped off and I'm <sighs> like, oh. So what I, what I always get to come back to is why, what are you really wanting to have come forward right now? What I was looking for was a, a, a little bit more of a passive revenue or a leveraged revenue stream. But what I was doing was, is I had taken someone's advice about a membership program who was really good at membership programs. And I don't do membership programs. That's not where my magic is. That's not my superpower. And by letting that go, what emerged was I do group coaching really, really well. And then we organized this magnetic messaging because it's a common problem that my clients struggle with. And I realized the number one reason people come in to my work is they're in pain because they don't feel seen. They don't feel their work is valued and they don't feel like they're making enough money doing something they know will help people. 
And the common thread was what we teach in Get Magnetic Messaging. And by letting go of that other thing and creating that space and that opening, I had the bandwidth to move that forward. Mm. And you know, that's those are millions of stories with my clients at the same thing. It's just, you have to be willing to not make failing mean your failure. It yes. means it's time to move to the thing that's more aligned and more powerful and more right where you are at this moment. Yes. Oh, there's so much to unpack about what you just said. The, <laughs> we could do a whole call just could, on that. <laughs> right. No, that, well, and it's, that's a topic I care a lot about because I think fe- people often feel like, especially, and for anybody that's listening that feels right now, like you're in this place of compression, right? Something's not working. The marketplace maybe has shifted. You need to make some changes and you don't, don't yet know what that looks like. The, the thing about compression, and actually one of the guests that I just had on, we had a brilliant conversation about this same thing about it took her reaching this point in her life where like her, literally her partner was dying. There was all this other stuff going on. Her business was struggling. She And she called it, her, her language around it was killing the sacred cow. She had to kill the mm-hmm. sacred cow, this thing that she'd been hanging on to that was really cumbersome in her business. And she said she literally did not see it until she reached kind of this maximum place of compression. And then just one day she looked at it and she's like, that's it. It's out of here. We are doing something different. And she got rid of it. And everything changed. Yeah. That's what happened for me in around 2009. I had worked so hard to build up this mega successful business with, I had other coaches working for me and all of a sudden I realized none of it was what I wanted. None of it was what what was lighting my fire. It was what I thought was the right thing to do to support the machine that was getting built. And I wasn't conscious enough or nimble enough at the time to really allow myself to intentionally decide to change direction. So I unconsciously blew it up (laughs) and it was the most painful. Like I don't, I literally don't know how I recovered because I had Mm. a perfect storm where everything that was important to me left within a period of three months Mm. and I was soul crushed. But you know what um, emerged from that, Heather, that was just, I feel so grateful, like as painful as that was, mm-hmm. I was also, uh, on hindsight, <laughs> not in the moment, but in hindsight, grateful that I unshackled myself from something that would have dried up my soul fire. Like I just, I was feeling like I had to do things, not that I wanted to do things. And I was taking risks that were not aligned with my own growth path because mm-hmm. I felt like it was what I was supposed to do. And so it was a real um, evolutionary opportunity for me to grow and expand my own like ability to see these things for my clients, but also to like mature and to really like wise up quite a bit, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is what it's like when you lean your growth path along the wrong mountain, you know? So Mm -hmm. it was painfully, exquisitely important. Well, absolutely. And the thing I think that is really poignant about that is that piece around, and I think a lot of us, when we get in hard places, we think, oh, this shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this shouldn't be happening this way, right? Not, uh, it's not the plan for my path. It's not where I want to go. But the, the flip perspective of that is 
yes, it probably should be happening as a way to get you to where you need to go. And I think it's a really hard thing to keep in mind when we're in the struggle. Yeah. And attached. Yes. Attachment is where this energy gets activated. Yes, absolutely. And I think so much of even building a business, really anything in life, whatever vision you have about where you're headed, I think knowing where you want to go is important, but releasing the how you get there, it's the only way. Can I do a, how do I do a mic drop? I'm attached to the boom, (laughs) mic drop moment, totally. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit more about how you work with clients. Give us some of your magic around how you get people to recognize their their brilliance or their place of magic, like where they mm-hmm. should be working from, because that probably looks different for everybody. How do you get them there? Uh, actually, well, for some people, there's different personalities. Mm-hmm. You know, I, one of the things about the way I work with people is it's almost always a custom journey. Uh, and then there are some, what we might say, some incubation that can look the same. And it's why I basically moved to having everybody start in what I call the get magnetic messaging, mm. because there is an incubation of your superpower of who, you know, really get, becoming crystal clear who your uh, ideal clients are, because some people think they know, they don't really know. And they're not clear enough to make aligned decisions with their marketing effort. So uh, I use a combination of uh, process. So I have these processes that ask a series of questions to get clarity so that we can use that clarity to make decisions. So let's just say uh, someone's recognizing they need a authority platform. So instead of just saying, oh, you need a podcast, it's like, well, let's really look at what your gifts are. Let's look at what you naturally do. Let's start to look at uh, the things that you're already getting traction with and how can we improve the reach and the momentum you're getting with those efforts by fixing the messaging or fine-tuning what you're doing there. And so I go through a set of uh, 10 to 12, uh, what I call amplify factors, uh, where it's like looking at what, it, what are you delivering as your first point of your offer? And how does that set you up to sell more of your services to that same client? Mm-hmm. So I do that. I look at, you know, cash flow planning. I look at leverage of your time and energy as well as your leverage of your talent. I look at uh, your revenue model. So I'm looking at the all of the pieces and saying, what is the critical linchpin that if we fix these one or two pieces first, it positively expands everything else you're doing. So then it's just fine-tuning the other things rather than having to go and break everything and re and, and like, you know, do it all over again, which is what a lot of people do. They throw the whole thing out and start over instead of like, no, let's just fine-tune a couple things here instead of throwing it out and starting over. Right. The couple things stand out to me about what you just said. One is you are bringing all of your skills to the table in assessing your client's path. And the other thing that I love is it's not a cookie cutter like approach. Here's here's what you need to do because everybody else is doing it like or because it's my expertise, right? There's always and you just see that so much in the marketplace, people saying, "Well, this is the path. You have to do it this way." And so 
I think that's really important that you dig into your client's journey and that that may look a little different based on what they're already doing, based on what might be already working for them, based on their inclination to do something a certain way. Maybe they really like showing up on video versus having an audio platform, right? Right. And sometimes it's the simple things we just have to do consistently that get the momentum going that fund and or create bandwidth for other things to unfold. So once somebody finishes magnetic messaging, the second part of the journey is the Amplify Mastermind. And in Amplify, what we're looking at is what's the simplest way to get the greatest results? And sometimes it's just simply routinely emailing your list, simply routinely making a video, right? It's like, <laughs> it's not the big heavy lifting. It's just the simple tiny thing that you never do that's going to get that that burst of, of uh, you know, sales and momentum and get the conversation flowing. So it's not always big, hard things you have to do. Sometimes it's the simple things that you're not doing enough of. I love that. The the importance of consistency in our businesses is huge. And I think it's one of the biggest challenges we face is doing that one thing or doing that simple thing on repeat, you know, repetitively, consistently showing up. And it's really easy. Like I know as a mom of two little people right now at home, there's lots of days that I want to be showing up on video. And the other day I tried to make one video, like three minute video. I literally got interrupted like beyond like kids screaming. I couldn't continue recording the video. And then my I went outside. I thought this will be better. I'm outside. My husband, not knowing I was out there, turned on the leaf blower like around the corner, you know. <laughs> and I, I just was having one of those moments like, oh my gosh, no wonder it's so hard for me to show up consistently the way that I want to, right? So mm-hmm. I think that that's huge, but it often is just the simple things. And we tend to overlook that. We tend to think like, oh, yeah. it's got to be something bigger or harder or more challenging. So before we wrap up, I want to ask you one more thing. What is, well, actually two, what is one thing that our listeners could do immediately to get the most value from our time together today? And then the second thing is I'm going to have you share about your gift. Oh, sure. Um, You know, I think the simplest thing is to, there's seven things just popped into my head all at once, but I think the simplest thing is to really start with this conversation around consistency. Because if you look at your results and you say, gosh, I was really hoping for more or wow, I really, I really wanted to see more sales in this area. I want you to look at what are you consistently doing to create that? Okay. And have an honest conversation and say, am I doing the right things consistently? Or am I, am I having those days where it's like, yeah, I don't feel like it today. And then you talk yourself out of it. The way the marketing machine works, and this is what I teach my clients, is it's not the decision to do it or not do it. It's the habit of doing what gets results. And that's really what I want you to reflect on and ask yourself, do I have a habit of doing the right things consistently to get those results I'm craving? I love that. It reminds me, I picked up Stephen Pressfield's book the other day again, The Art of War. And mm-hmm. I there was one message that stood out to me when I was going through, I was looking for some quotes. And it was the one page where he talks about, I think, a client of his that's a writer that says, you know... I something about waiting for inspiration to strike, 
right? Yeah. And I think sometimes we do this as entrepreneurs. We wait for inspiration to strike. And But this guy had put himself in a routine and he said, luckily it strikes every morning at 9 a.m. <laughs> like it or not, he's showing That's up it. and he's doing his writing every morning at 9 a.m. Yeah. And I do know sometimes we have to wait for inspiration And if that's where you're at, then we have to look at the things that you can put on autopilot that will get you results while this other thing is incubating and and getting clear for you, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, I love it. And you asked about the gift. It ties very well into this. So it's 17 mistakes you're making in your interviews and webinars and talks that are costing you leads and clients. Yes, And the reason why I say it ties in is because, again, these are things we're either not doing consistently, that we could be doing consistently, that brings those better results. But what I really believe is that if we start to understand what we're doing that's not getting the results, and we can just fine-tune a few of those practices, you can flip your visibility, your strategies, your marketing strategies, and those conversations that you're having with your heart and your soul and turn them into client attraction systems that are actually working 24-7 so that you're getting leads in the middle of the night while you're sleeping and somebody else is listening to that podcast on, you know, <laughs> that you you recorded 10 years ago or two years ago. <laughs> no, I love it. That's amazing. Like you, you say that and you laugh, but like that's literally been me the last handful of weeks. I've had these really late nights working and like I had your po- podcast on in the background, the David Finkel episode I listened to. I was like, oh my gosh, that's I good, love yeah. this. It's really good. <laughs> um, but it's true. And it you never know when people are going to come across it once it's out there. And if you do it right, can do a lot of work for you while you're sleeping. I love that. Absolutely. Any, any final thoughts, Melanie? Anything else you want our listeners to hear? Well, I think, you know, this this whole thing is about, you know, guts, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and really like looking at what do I need to have the guts to do right now? And uh, on the flip side of everything we've talked about, I do believe that uh, sometimes there's this need to take a big, bold action a big, bold leap forward to shake up that stagnant energy. Mm -hmm. So if you are feeling like you're having a hard time taking action, you are feeling like you can't get into momentum. And as my dog is reinforcing for us right now here (laughs) in the background, he's like, mom, isn't it time for us to go take a little uh, Your coworker, that's right. My my assistant (laughs) is whining at me. Uh, But really like to to leave this in this place of sometimes you got to do big things to get big results. Yes. I love that. I, as a, as somebody who really believes in taking action, I also am the person that sometimes does big leaps and I take too much action, right? So there can be a balance, but I do agree making a decision that requires a bit of activation energy, I think is sometimes exactly what we have to do to change our routine, to change our patterns, to get ourselves into a new place of uh, creative energy. Well, thank you, Melanie. It's been so great to connect with you. I need to go get your 17 common mistakes and download it myself, but people can find it at the website, um, legalwebsitewarrior.com forward slash podcast, where you'll get a link to today's episode as well as the show notes. Thank you again, Melanie. Really appreciate it. Folks can find, I'll put your contact information there as well, along with your gift. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And I really look forward to connecting with you as you listen in and And, uh, you know, you want to keep this conversation going, you know where to get started. Absolutely. So grateful. Talk to you soon, Melanie. 
Thank you for joining us today on the Guts, Grit, and Great Business Podcast. We hope that we've added a little fuel to your tank, some coffee to your cup, and pep in your step to keep you moving forward in your own great adventures. For key takeaways, links to any resources mentioned in today's show and more, see the show notes, which can be found at legalwebsitewarrior.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, please give us some stars and a review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast so others will find us too. Keep up the great work you are doing in the world and we'll see you next week.